Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Fields here. It's a Wednesday evening. And as we normally do, we come together as a people of God here at GRTDC and at RTA in the Bronx, uh, coming together as one church, getting into the Word of God. And I'm so grateful for all that the Lord has done and all that He is doing. He's still in the blessing business. And I say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Before we go into the word of the Lord on tonight, and of course, I want to thank you for tuning in and people are still uh, connecting with us on tonight. Um, grateful to God always for his goodness, his mercy, his patience towards us. And even in the middle of a pandemic, the Lord is yet blessing and keeping and strengthening. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we're so grateful for this opportunity. Another day, hallelujah, of praise. Another day of thanksgiving. Another day even of repentance. Another opportunity to come to you. Come to you as you would have us to come, Lord, in holiness and in obedience doing all that you would have us to do so we can be ready when you come. We thank you for this opportunity, Father, to come together and to go into your word for this Bible study hour. Bless everyone under the sound of my voice, everyone that connects with us on tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Happy to be with you. Privileged to be your pastor. And I'm grateful for this opportunity to connect with you. We say praise the Lord again to the saints of God here in Greater Refuge Temple of Washington, D.C. And of course, to that great church in the Bronx on 233rd Street, Refuge Temple Annex. Thank you for connecting with us. This will begin our Bible study hour. Tonight, as promised on last week, we are going to be talking about pleasing God. <clears throat> pleasing God. And it is an appropriate subject, especially in these days. You'll be surprised how many people are doing things under the guise of pleasing God. But have you ever stopped to think that maybe there is a possibility that God really isn't pleased with everything that we're doing? In some cases, it might be he's not pleased at all. How do you know, Pastor Fields? Well, prayer will let you know. Considering God's word will always put you in a place where you'll understand what God likes, what he dislikes. And because of this relationship that we're having with him, it should be now that whatever God loves, we love. And whatever God hates, we hate. So whenever we find ourselves loving things that God despises, you know for sure you're not pleasing God. When you find yourself despising those things God loves, then you know that you're not in the place where you're pleasing to God. And I think we need to find out whether it's individually or as a, as a church body, we have to make sure that we are pleasing God. To God. I'm going to start in Hebrews. This will be one of our anchor scriptures, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, But without faith, 
it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Also, another one of our anchor scriptures, we're going to use more than one, and then, uh, of course, as we normally do, we'll go and visit other scriptures in the Bible, but Romans 8 in particular, verses 6 through 8, says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So those two scriptures right there will give you some indication of the direction that we're going tonight. Uh, it is necessary. It is necessary for us to be in a place where we're pleasing to God. If we're not pleasing to God, then we're no good for the kingdom. Uh, and we are endangering ourselves. If we're operating in a place where we're not pleasing to him. And we're endangering others that we're around also. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, those things. Uh, and, and we'll say seven things uh, that we can do to be in a place where we're pleasing to God. Uh, and it is a challenge. Uh, don't, don't get it wrong. It is, it is a challenge. As long as we're in this flesh, pleasing God is going to be a challenge because your flesh also wants to be pleased. Your flesh also wants to be satisfied. This is why Paul, he was transparent enough to say, there's a war going on in my members. So there were certain things he had to learn how to do in order to stay in that place where he was pleasing in the sight of God. Uh, finding those things, that gift, that place uh, that will please God, as forestated, can be a challenge. Don't let anyone fool you. Uh, make you feel like it's an easy thing. Uh, no, uh, it's challenging. But thankfully, um, we have a Bible. We have a, a resource that we can go to uh, that not only tells us. Now, the Bible will tell you the things God loves and hates. Yes. And I'll give you an example of the word of God telling you some things that God hates. Uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, it says these six things. Proverbs 16, 6, 6 rather, Proverbs 6, I'm in verse 16. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Here they are, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So listen, the Lord is not shy. He's, he's quick to tell you, I don't like certain things. I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't appreciate that. Uh, but the word of God also lets us know what he delights in. 
So what we want to do, we want to make sure that we stay on the side on where we are delighting the Lord, where we are pleasing to the Lord. So uh, let's look at seven ways that we can be pleasing to God. And the first, uh, we gave the first indication when we started reading the anchor scripture, um, you have to have faith, have faith. The first thing we're going to talk about is if I want to be pleasing to God, I have to have faith. And you'll be surprised. There are some who are in the church who are not really functioning in an area of faith. And the Bible does say that if I walk outside of faith, then I'm in sin. So you have to believe in the God that you are serving. Have faith in God. Hebrews 11 and 6 but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God, and this is how we should come to God, in prayer, in praise, and in worship, believe that he is God. Lord, I believe you are who you say you are. And you also have to believe that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. He who comes to God must first believe that he is, and he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. This passage that I read identifies faith. Uh, belief in God, believing that he will do what he says he can do, believing that he will do what you're asking him to do. Um, yes, uh, Hebrews 11 and 5, I'll read. Uh, where it refers to Enoch. Remember Enoch in the Old Testament? Uh, he had such a relationship with the Lord. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 5, By faith Enoch was translated, <clears throat> that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. My God, are you ready for his testimony? It says he had this testimony that he pleased God. He was so pleasing to God, he didn't even let Enoch have a funeral. He just took Enoch by the hand and said, let's go for a walk. And he translated, he kept on walking into glory. And his testimony while he was here was that he was pleasing to God. And... Uh, when you talk about the time that Enoch lived, it was similar to today. Uh, not the same technology, of course, but it was an evil day. He lived in an increasingly evil time. It was before the flood, you know. They were doing whatever they wanted to do. Um, and they were rebellious. They were partying and rioting. Uh, but there was a man during that time. I wonder how many during these times, these last days, have that testimony that we are pleasing to God. So much so, until when the rapture comes, he'll take us by the hand and bring our, us on into glory. And we shall not all sleep, hallelujah. How many of us are so pleasing to God that when he comes, we'll be changed in a moment and in the twinkling of an eye. Yes, so Enoch lived in an increasingly evil day. It was before the flood, but he had this testimony. Let's go to Genesis 5 and 24. Enoch walked with God, 
and he was not because God took him. Hallelujah. Took him. Say, come on here with me. Hallelujah. Hebrews 11 and 5. I'll read it again. Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not and was not found because God translated him because before his translation, he had this testimony. He was pleasing to God. Uh, not only did Enoch uh, believe in God, not only did Enoch have a relationship with God, not only was he pleasing to God, not only did he believe in God, his creator, but uh, according to the book of Jude, let's see what Jude has to say about Enoch. According to the book of Jude, um, he prophesied. Yes, Enoch prophesied and, and said that the Lord would come with 10,000 of his saints. Let's read that. I'm going to read it to you uh, because you look like you don't believe what I'm saying. Jude first chapter Verses 14 and 15, and Enoch also, who was the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying. So he prophesied. The Lord showed him things. And this is what Enoch said. Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This is what Jude says about Enoch. Enoch prophesied these things that the Lord is going to return with 10,000 of his saints. Hallelujah. So Enoch knew that evil deeds would bring uh, evil results. Yes, I'm going to say that one more time. Enoch knew that evil deeds bring evil results and must be replaced by godly deeds. And that's a long way of saying that when we know we're wrong, we have to change our behavior. Even after we get saved, if you know it's wrong, uh, you can correct yourself by using the word of God. Does it line up with God's word? Does it line up with God's will? Uh, I want to walk with God. Yes, walking the way God walks, talking the way God talks. Uh, this is pleasing to him. So I can be with him throughout eternity. For this world uh, to experience real joy and peace, uh, the world, and I'll say this nation, all of this mess we're going through here in the United States, what if the Senate and the Congress and uh, and government decided we're going to do it God's way. Hallelujah. We're going to follow the ways of Christ. We're going to walk with God. There would be peace. There would be joy in the land. Yes. Uh, and well, we know uh, these are the last days and it's not really going to turn out that way. Uh, but uh, in the end, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and there will be peace in the land. Uh, yes. So the second thing we have to do if we're going to please God, we have to be spiritually minded. We have to be spiritually minded. Being spiritually minded pleases God. So let's go to Romans chapter 8 verses 6 through 8. Uh, that was also one of our foundation scriptures where it says to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, 
Mm -hmm. is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I get death if I'm carnally minded, but if I'm spiritually minded, I get life and I get peace. Um, so the Bible here contrasts two mindsets. Uh, there's the human mind, of course, uh, that is given to um, a whole lot of things. Vain imaginations, it's, it's given to evil thoughts, uh, that fleshly mind, that carnal mind. Uh, and then there's that mind that is led by the Spirit. Because they that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Uh, so to be carnally minded is enmity against God. He doesn't like that. He hates a carnal mind because a carnal mind rejects spiritual things. The carnal mind would say, I want to do what I want to do, and it will push back the word of God. Uh, but a spiritual mind will embrace the word of God. Spiritual mind even will develop an understanding concerning the ways of God because it's feasting and it's following the word of God. Let's go to verse 9, Romans, the 8th chapter. This is what he says, because we have the Holy Ghost, those of you all who are saved, sanctified. He says, ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. And if so be that the spirit of God is in you, if you have the Holy Ghost, if the spirit of God is in you. Uh, now, if any man does not have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It is impossible for me to be spiritual without the Holy Ghost. And here, maybe perhaps I've uncovered uh, something in the church. Perhaps there are people who are saying they have the Holy Ghost that don't have it, and they are attempting to be spiritual without the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside. It's impossible to be spiritual without Christ abiding on the inside. So having the Holy Spirit dwelling in us and leading us is the prerequisite, or I should say it's another prerequisite for pleasing God. I have to have the Holy Ghost, and I have to be willing to allow the Holy Spirit to lead me, shall lead you and guide you into all truth. I'm going to be old school for a few minutes because it's Peter that took us to this place and Peter, who summarizes the process that God has set for us to follow in order to receive his spirit. And I'm doing this for a reason. Let's go back to the foundation. Uh, and it's not an indictment to make anyone feel bad. Uh, but every now and then we need to do a check to make sure that everyone has what they're supposed to have. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's not good enough to be a part of a church. It's not good enough to be entwined in a group. You have to be born again. It is impossible for you to have a spiritual mind without the Holy Ghost abiding on the inside. So let's go to the foundation. I'm going to take you back to Acts 2.38. You know what it says. Then Peter said unto them, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes. So, leading up to the passages in Romans 8, the Apostle Paul explained his own experience with these two mindsets. Uh, and he talks about it. And, and, you know, he was transparent enough to say, uh, I struggle with this, that, that. 
the spirit and the, and the carnal, sometimes they're having a tug of war. And he talks about that in Romans 7. Um, and he makes clear that Jesus Christ will deliver us from this, right? Romans 7, 25. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. Yes, and that as a result of the change, we become beloved children of God. And this is where he goes to by the time he gets to chapter 8 of Romans. Uh, he's saying because we're children of God now, we have what we need within us to win this battle between the flesh uh, and the Holy Spirit. We can overcome our thoughts, our vain imaginations. Uh, does this please God? Yes. Uh, when we learn how to walk in the Spirit, uh, does this please God? Now, I don't, I don't, I don't mean just walking in the Spirit uh, in service. You know how the saints do uh, when they have issues. I'll lay my Holy Ghost down. No, that ain't that ain't spiritual. That's carnal. I don't want to lay nothing down that I need to live right. Uh, hold on to that Holy Ghost. Keep that spiritual mind. Uh, this is why folks can sing and shout in, in the building. And then as soon as the benediction is over, they go back to not speaking or they go back to fussing and fighting. That's carnal stuff. Uh, remember what Paul said to the Corinthian church one time. He just came out and said, I'm going to tell you the problem. You are carnal. Uh, you all need to go back to the altar uh, because this is not pleasing to God. We have to be spiritually minded people spiritual mind because a carnal mind is enmity against God um, so repentance and, and understanding I've, we've thought of this before uh, I had to repent to get the Holy Ghost uh, I had to repent in order to step into a spiritual place and repentance is at times necessary also living a life of repentance in order to stay in the place of spirituality uh, because it's true, sometimes the flesh will push back and you may have a thought you shouldn't have. Uh, and it's not always a, a, a thought of drinking and smoking and sexual misconduct. Uh, sometimes it's just to doubt the word of God. Uh, so let's lay it all out on the table uh, because we want to see Jesus and we want to be pleasing in the sight of God. Um, so. Having faith pleases God, having faith in him and being spiritually minded is pleasing to him uh, and having a fear of God. Uh, have you noticed uh, for some reason it doesn't seem like people have a fear of God like they used to. Um, they say anything, they do anything, um, you know, no fear, no reverence of God. Where has that gone? Um, these are the last days, and I know the Bible says that because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. Uh, and um, a lot of people at the annex will remember this. Uh, there was a preacher that used to come preach at the annex. Elder, uh, Elder Gross was his name, and he would love to sing this song, Living in the Last Days, Living in the Last Days, Living in the Days where men won't mend their ways, calling right wrong, 
calling wrong right truly we're living in the last days now I, I was a young fellow when he sang that he's passed on now now but these are the last of the last days uh, and it seems like people don't have a fear of God don't have a reverence like they should I want to take you to Psalms 147 the 11th verse it says the Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him reverence him and and you know sometimes preachers are trying to be nice when it means reverence or respect uh, but I, I think we really need to have a fear of being displeasing in God's sight he can not only destroy my body but he can destroy this soul um, and the Bible says according to the psalmist God takes pleasure in them that fear him and those that hope in his mercy now um, and understand it's, it's not just having a God that uh, is happy about us being terrified by him. Uh, because of that same piece of music, if I take you to verse 3 of Psalm 147, it says this about my God. He, he healeth the broken in heart and bringeth up their wounds. Hallelujah. This is the kind of God we serve. Uh, he's a merciful God. Uh, he's a knowledgeable God. He knows the names of the stars, verse 4, he telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. Have you ever tried to count the stars? Uh, God told Abraham, try to count, see how many stars are up there. He, so many he couldn't count. Uh, but the psalmist said not only does he know how many stars are there, uh, but he knows them by name. God knows every star by name. The Bible tells us that we should fear God. Not because it is good for him, but because it is good for us. Hallelujah. To accurately recognize that he is more powerful than anything else. And we need to acknowledge that he is all-powerful, all-knowing. He is God and above him there is no other. We should have the utmost respect for this God that we serve. And it seems like that respect, that awe... The awe of God, the fear of God has, has gone. You can tell uh, by the way a lot of us are living. Uh, a lot of us are treating one another that we don't fear God because God is watching everything we say, everything we do, and it doesn't stop some people from doing the wrong things. We need to go back to fearing the Lord. He finds pleasure in those that fear him. And the Bible tells us, uh, and the proper fear and respect of God will motivate us to avoid doing the wrong things. Let's go to Exodus. I'm going to take you to an Old Testament, another Old Testament scripture. Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, fear not for God has come to prove you. And that his fear may be before your faces that ye sin not. Mm -hmm. So that that one verse there I read that Moses says to the people, I read that to remind us that God will hold us accountable for our actions. And this is what Moses wanted the people to know. God is going to hold you accountable uh, for your actions. And you all need to act like you got some sense, like you are fearful of this God, like you have some respect because he's a real deal. He's the real deal. 
Uh, he's the reason why you got up this morning. He's the reason why you're still here. And all that you've been through, he's still keeping you. You ought to have some fear of God. Uh, it pleases him to know that you have some respect, that you have, uh, you fear his awesomeness. Hallelujah. Even sometimes in the way we worship God and we present ourselves to God, uh, we do it flippantly. Uh, but we should do it in reverence. Lord, I know who you are. We have more respect for the judge. We have more respect for police officers. We have more respect for people. We need to have more fear and reverence of this mighty God that we serve. Fearing him allows us uh, to rely on him, to revere him. Uh, and it will even deepen your love for him. Yeah. Try putting God in his proper place. And I promise you, you'll fall in love with him all over again. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Uh, start having a, a, a reverence, more of a reverence in the fear of him. Yes. And you'll find it'll start doing things to your heart, Lord. And you'll want to spend even more time with him. Hallelujah. Yes, you will. The next thing, studying and following the example that you see in the word of God. Following the example of Jesus Christ is pleasing to God. Uh, remember that scripture, Matthew 17 and 5. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, hear ye him. It's during a vision of the future kingdom of God known as the transfiguration. Remember that uh, God impressed upon Peter, James, and John the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Uh, Moses and Elias appeared and then they disappear and it was only Jesus standing there. Uh, it was done to show the preeminence of Christ, uh, Jesus truly was the Son of God. Uh, and there is no one who has pleased God more. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. It makes sense for me to be more and more like his Son, to be conformed to the image of his Son. The more I look like Jesus, the more I follow Jesus, the more pleasing I am to my God. Hallelujah. So we should hear him. We should hear what Jesus has to say through his word. And as he speaks to us in our quiet times, in our prayer times. Yep. Anyone who prays, anyone who has a relationship with the Lord will tell you there are times when he speaks to my heart. He speaks to my very soul. Hallelujah. I'm, I feel the Holy Ghost. Uh, and we should hear him and we should follow his example. That which we hear and that which we study and see in the word of God. Uh, Jesus said he always did this uh, and those things, and I'm going to read it for you, those things that please his father. John 8 and 29. John 8 and 29. This is Jesus himself speaking. He says, and he that sent me is with me. The father have not left me alone. I do always those things that please him. 
So here the Lord Jesus is saying, I do always the things that please him. And this is our attitude. I do. We should do always the things that please our God. I'm following the example of Jesus Christ through how I pray, through how I live, through how I treat others, from the way I speak. Oh, to be like Jesus, to be like him, how I want to be like him, so high and holy, so meek and lowly, how I want to be like him. Yes, Lord, I hear that song ringing in my soul. Another thing we can do, and this is the fifth thing that we can do after studying the word of God and seeing how Christ lived his life, and following his example, knowing that this is pleasing to God. Um, and we talked about it last week. Obeying God pleases him. Doing what he says. Do what God tells you. We talked about that extensively last week in our lesson. Uh, do what God says. Remember, we talked about uh, the marriage in Cana. And the Lord turns the water into wine. But before that, Mary, his mother, says, whatever my son tells you to do, do it. Um, I'm going to take you to an Old Testament scripture. First Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. Mm -hmm. It reads, and Samuel said, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. Hallelujah. It is better to obey than to sacrifice. So in this, in this particular passage, the prophet Samuel expressed that God had a displeasure with Israel's uh, first king. First king was Saul, and Saul had a nasty habit of disobeying God. And most of the time, his, his reasoning for disobeying was it, it wasn't it wasn't expedient. The people didn't want it. Uh, it seemed like it would be better to do it this way, to hold on. God told him to let go of certain things. He would hold on to it. God told him to kill certain things. He would let it live. Uh, and, and Samuel comes back with a strong rebuke. He said, it's better for you to make that uh, obey than to sacrifice. Be obedient to God. Uh, so... He's, he's displeased with Saul uh, because he disobeyed his word. Saul had disobeyed God's direct command. Listen to my notes. With the excuse the people said, the people wanted, the people wanted. Uh, the people had wanted to give what should have been destroyed to God. God said, get rid of it. How can you give God something that he told you to destroy? I told you to get rid of it. I told you to move it. It's offensive to me. But Saul is saying, well, the people said, save it and give it to God as a sacrifice. Obedience is better than the sacrifice. What should have been destroyed? Uh, they're trying to give it to God. Listen to my notes. But God doesn't want your physical gift if you're going to break his word. <laughs> if, if you're going to continue and send that offering that you put in the plate is not going to help you. You have to learn how to obey God's word. I don't care how much money you put in the church. I don't care how many fish you sold, how much potato salad you made. God knows I love potato salad. I don't care. 
can do all of that, but if you're not going to obey God's word, you're not pleasing to him. Your obedience is what he wants. He takes pleasure in your obedience. Um, listen to my notes. God does not command us to obey just because it's good for him. No, he commands us to obey because it is good for us. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 13. Keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. His laws and commands are beneficial. And as a result of obeying him, we grow in righteousness and in holiness. Our character develops as we live a life of obedience to God. Hallelujah. We become more like him. I'm becoming more like him, and that's pleasing to him. This is how to please God. Obey his word. Obey his word. Listen to my notes. The fact that obeying God is pleasing to him is expressed in various ways throughout the word of God. God has pleasure in righteousness. He will bless those who keep his Sabbaths and choose what pleases me. This is all things that God says. Those who abstain from sexual immorality, breaking any one of God's commands. Lord, I don't want to do anything that's not right in your sight. I, want to, I don't want to do anything that's going to upset you. I don't want to do anything that's going to offend you. First Chronicles 29 and 17. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and has pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered all these things, and now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. I'm going to read Isaiah now. Out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, verse 4, you'll find these words. For thus saith the Lord unto the eunuchs that keep my Sabbaths, and choose the things that please me, and take hold of my covenant. New Testament scripture, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk and to please God. And I'm reading Old and New Testament scripture, so you'll see uh, whether you're Old Testament saint or New Testament saint, uh, there are ways that we must follow if we're going to be pleasing in the sight of God. Hallelujah. Furthermore, when we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. It's to benefit you. For you know that commandments we gave, what commandments rather we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. So, you want to please God, you have to keep his word, keep his ways. Don't do things that are going to offend 
our God. Be true to Him. The sixth thing, doing God's will. So I have to obey His word, and I have to do His will. His will. If I know His word, I'll know His will. And His word is good. It is perfect. And according to Paul, it is acceptable. Doing God's will. Hebrews 13. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 15 and 16. I'm trying to hurry up, but in my heart, I, I'm like, I need to take my time. I, I really want to lay this out. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Hallelujah. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well please. Yes, doing God's will is pleasing to God. May God make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Thank you, Jesus. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Hallelujah. That's how the writer of Hebrews in that chapter 13 closes out that chapter. I'm going to read it again. It touched my heart. He says, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Uh, and anyone that reads that verse and uh, in, in understanding the will and the way of God, having the Holy Ghost, something should stir up in you. And uh, because, uh, because he's letting us know that having the Holy Ghost makes it possible to please God. It makes it possible for me to be spiritual and not carnal. Allowing the Holy Ghost, because he says, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in his sight. So if I allow the Holy Ghost to work in me, the Holy Ghost will always bring me to a place where I'm pleasing in the sight of God. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You want to learn how to please God? Uh, then you must seek God's help. Here's a nugget. If I want to learn how to please God, then I have to seek God's help. There's nothing wrong in your prayer and saying, Lord, show me how to be pleasing in your sight. And you have the Holy Ghost abiding in you. He'll do just that. He will lead you and guide you into all truth. You want to know how to please God? Seek his help. Hallelujah. You want to know how to please God? Seek his will. What is your will, Lord, in my life? I'm helping somebody. What is? What do you want me to do, God? You will never lead me in a place that is opposite your will. I want to be in your will. I want to be in your way. I want to be pleasing in your sight. When you look at me, I want you to smile. When you hear me sing, I want you to smile. I want you to be able to receive my praise and worship because I'm pleasing in your sight. What is your will? Hallelujah. This is why it's good for us uh, to stay in God's word because his word will reveal his will for your life. So don't be the kind of saint 
that stays away from studying the Word of God, from getting in the Word of God. Study the Bible. Meditate on it. David said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. He said, I meditate on it both day and night. So study his word. Meditate on it. Pray about the word of God. Hallelujah. Each time we come together, pray about what you heard. Pray about what you read. Uh, are there any keys here? Is there anything that I need to gain a deeper understanding of? Anything that's going to help me be better? Uh, God's will for me goes beyond just knowing what you want. And, and I'm going to help you out again. God's will goes beyond just knowing what he wants. It involves doing what he wants also. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Um, it involves doing every good work. It involves doing, not just hearing, not just knowing, uh, because listen, there are a lot of people who study the word also, who know what the word of God says, but they will not do what the word of God says. It involves doing, and, and it involves doing, I'm going to say it again. I'm stuck there, right there. It involves doing every good work, uh, which, which means, if, if I pull that apart, it means that I'm working at my maturity level, my spirituality level. Uh, I'm working on being more and more like my Savior. I'm applying what I know to my life. Let's go to Matthew, the gospel according to St. Matthew. Hallelujah. Chapter 5, verse 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Hallelujah. Be ye therefore perfect. Be mature. Be mature. And I know it takes time to get there, but Jesus says it. Uh, hallelujah. Jesus is saying it. Uh, he said, I don't want you to be like the publicans. I don't want you to be like uh, the people that come to church and act like they love me, but then they won't do what my word tells them to do. And he says, but I want you to be perfect, even as your father, which is in heaven. So he's saying, I want you to strive to be like uh, what you see in the word of God. Strive to be like your father. Strive to be more and more like God. That's how you reach perfection, completion, striving to be what you know God wants you to be. Don't stray from it. Don't walk away from it. Uh, and Jesus Christ set the ultimate example in doing God's will and doing his way, right? Uh, Jesus faced scourging. He faced the rebuke of the people. He, he faced so much persecution. Uh, he was facing crucifixion for our sins. Yet he prays. Jesus prays. I'm going to read it for you. He prays this prayer in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. This is what Jesus prayed, right? He's, he's facing all of this opposition and hatred and persecution and suffering. But this is what Jesus says, Father, if Thou be willing, remove this cup from me. He's struggling with this. <laughs> He's struggling. 
Um, but somehow he gets the victory in this prayer and says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He is the purest example of doing God's will. Uh, and we struggle with it. He's in his humanity here. He's praying, Lord, do I have to do this? Do I have to take this, this suffering? Nevertheless, not my will, Lord, but thy will be done. So if we want to learn how to please God, we must seek God's help to always do his will. And it's, it's a challenge. You know why it's a challenge? Because we're grown and we have wants and needs and desires. Uh, and there are times when God's will contradicts with our fleshly desires. Mm -hmm. And you have to learn how to say no to self and yes to the will of God. And I'm going to tell you, uh, it's not easy to say no to yourself. For some reason, people find it easier to say no to God and yes to self. But if you want to be pleasing to God, you're going to have to learn how to tell yourself to behave and follow the will of your God. Hallelujah. Because there's no good thing in my flesh. And I can't take this flesh into glory. As pretty as you are, mm -hmm, you can't take that into glory. If you want to make it in, you're going to have to learn how to stay in that place where you're pleasing to God. And if you don't know how, say, Lord, show me how to please you. Show me how to be in a place that's pleasing in your sight. Show me how to stay in your will. Number seven, um, giving the sacrifices he wants. Giving God the sacrifice that he wants is pleasing to him. I'm going to take you back to Hebrews, the 13th chapter. <clears throat> and uh, verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. But with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Don't forget to do good and to share. Don't forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So um, I have in my notes, we saw earlier that God rejected sacrifices that were gained through disobedience. Remember Cain and Abel, right? And remember why Cain slew Abel? Cain gave God what he wanted God to have, not what God desired. And here's another issue in the church. We have too many people giving God what they want him to have. And they're not concerned about giving God what he desires. If we're going to be pleasing to him, we have to give the Lord what he wants. What he wants. I can't tell God what's pleasing to him. I can't tell God what's pleasing to him. And listen, let me, let me just keep it real. Some of us have had relationships in the past with a man or a woman who gave us gifts that were pleasing to them, right? You know I don't like red, but you saw a red scarf in the store that you liked, and here you are handing me a red scarf. You know my favorite color is blue. Why would you give me a red scarf if you know I don't like red? 
And some people treat God the same way. You know he doesn't like that, but you keep giving it to him, presenting it to him because you like it. And we cannot keep telling God what he likes. We have to love God enough to say, Lord, what do you want? What do you desire? What do you want from me? And, and we see in the word of God, you'll see it in the word of God, where he'll reject those things that he does not like. Hallelujah. Listen, but there are sacrifices that he is well pleased with. Give God what he wants. Put it in the hashtag. Give God what he wants. Yes, and this includes giving praise and thanks to him and sharing with others. These reflect his teaching on love expressed in the two great commandments that summarize the rest of his law. Listen to these words. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these two commandments saying all the law of the prophets. So we have to come to a place, uh, my friends, where we give God what he desires. Where we give God. And, and I think because uh, you know what God wants. You ought to know what God likes by now. Uh, those of us who have been in the way for a while, you know what God desires and what he dis dislikes. Uh, and even in what we think we know, we should always come to a place where we say, Lord, how do you want me to do it? Which way do you want me to go? How do you want me to present it to you? Right? Remember Uzzah? And, and when David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant in, uh, there was a way God wanted it. But David did it a different way. He put God's ark on a new cart. It had all this fanfare. And, and now the ark is rocking. And Uzzah reaches up to keep the ark from hitting the ground. And he drops dead. Now the ark didn't fall to the ground. But Uzzah touching the ark. He dropped dead right in front of David. And David was told... You didn't do it the way my word prescribes. You can't just do it because this is what you think I'm going to like. You have to know, you have to seek me and ask me. And it was recorded in his word. The ark should be on an old cart. And only the Kohathites can carry the ark on their shoulders. He has a way. Hallelujah. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts and we have to come out of this habit of giving God what we want him to have instead of giving God what he desires. If we're going to be a church that is pleasing in his sight, if you're going to be an individual that is pleasing in the sight of God, then you have to be willing to do what God tells you to do and give him what he wants and how he wants it. Got to have faith in him. Got to obey him. Yes, have to be spiritually minded. Yes, hallelujah. Have to be spiritually minded. Have to have a fear and reverence of him. Got to study and follow the ways of Christ. You got to obey him. You got to do his will. And you have to give him sacrifices that he desires. A praise that he desires. Yes, I dare say 
that there are times when we come together that perhaps what we're doing in praise and worship is not really pleasing to him. Perhaps the way we're presenting it. Perhaps there's too much flesh. And I'm not talking about uh, how you're dressed, although that can play a part in it. But I'm talking about the mindset. Are you doing it to please man? Or are you doing it to please God? That has a whole lot of significance in our praise and worship and how we come together. Because sometimes there are people who are doing it and you're just doing it to be seen. You're just doing it so somebody can say, oh girl, you really sang. But it's not really a sacrifice unto God. And let me tell you a secret. When we come together to worship, um, that praise team, that singing, they're not singing to the, the congregation. <laughs> no, they're singing to God first. You're ministering to God. And I think we have it wrong. Uh, we think when we come together in praise and worship, because the Hebrew writer said, offer God, offer him the sacrifices of praise. We're supposed to bring ourselves living sacrifices into his presence. And we are ministering to the throne of God first. And his response is to come down and sit among the people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I felt that. Remember that song? We used to sing it. When the praises go up, the blessings come down. But we've come to a place where we're, we're entertaining people. We're, it's almost like we're praising people. Right. Or sometimes people are just sitting there watching the praise team and it's like they're being entertained. No, uh, we are ministering to the throne. We are sending our sacrifices of praises. We're not doing it for man. We're not doing it to please anyone but God. And then the blessings of the Lord, the glory of the Lord comes down. Hallelujah. I'm feeling this. So I'm going to challenge you tonight. We have to please God not man, and, and although it's a natural, it is a natural human tendency to want to look good to people, to, uh, to seek what pleases people, how do people feel about it. Uh, and, but the more we focus on people, you'll find that the harder it will be to please God. Um, we, we can't see God. You know, and we, we're, but, and, but we should be focusing on him. We have him on the inside. We have a relationship with him. Uh, we have a tendency, though, because we can see each other. We see people uh, to focus on people. Jesus pointed out this problem with seeking to please man while pretending to try to please God. Right? Matthew 6 and 1. I'm going to take you there. Matthew 6 and 1, take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen. Otherwise, you have no reward of your father, which is in heaven. Wow. Don't do so. There were people who were giving just to be seen. I want, I want people to know that I'm giving. I'm a, I'm a big spender. Uh, but he says, don't do it to be seen. If you do it that way, you will have no reward waiting for you in heaven. That's some powerful talk, isn't it? Let's go to verse 5 of that same chapter. And when you pray, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, 
that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. You mean to tell me there are people in the church who just pray to be seen of men? And this is Jesus talking, using all these big words, humming and hawing and, you know, and, and doing it to impress others. Uh, he says, but Jesus says, don't be like the hypocrites are. They get up in the synagogue and they're talking loud and they're doing this and they and he says that they may be seen of men he says, i say unto you they have their reward but he said but you when you pray enter into your closet and when thou hast shut thy door pray to thy father which is in secret and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly don't do it to be seen of men Take you down to verse 16 of that same chapter of the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 16. Moreover, moreover rather, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites. Wow. Of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face. Don't do it to be seen of men. Do it to glorify and to please God. The Apostle Paul used an interesting term to describe doing things just to be seen by others. He calls it eye service. Bond servants, he says. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, pleasing or fearing God. He says that in the book of Colossians, verse 22. I'm hastening on, um, and, and Paul, of all people, and he would talk about it several times, Paul understood the importance of pleasing God. Hallelujah. Even when he talks to the Galatian church, he's, he's sort of reprimanding them on one occasion and saying, some of y'all are just men pleasers, doing stuff to be pleasing to men uh, instead of honoring your God. Uh, you cannot please man and God at the same time. When you're doing things out of your flesh to be seen of men, that's not pleasing to God. Uh, but in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4, listen to the words of Paul. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our hearts hallelujah so even when it came to preaching the gospel paul said i'm doing it to please god uh, and because i'm doing it to please god i may say some things that may offend your flesh but it has to be said i gotta preach the gospel uh, and whenever you teach the word of god just to please people you might start skimming you might start taking no that might offend them they won't like that they won't say amen to that you have to be pleasing to God. Those of you in ministry, those of you who are working in the church, don't do things to please people. Do it to please God. Because when you start doing things to please people, you'll start coloring stuff and moving stuff. And, and you won't do everything for God. And then after a while, you won't care about how God feels about it. And this is all for the cause of Christ. Only what you do for Christ will you know the rest will last. Hallelujah. So when you think about it, 
and, and realize that God is the ultimate source of everything. God is the ultimate source of everything. All good gifts come from above. Hallelujah. Everything I have received, even those things uh, that come through family and friends and other people, it's because of God. Whatever you have now is because of God. Uh, he has given us all our blessings. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Hallelujah. So he has given us all blessings, even life itself. And he offers us eternal life, and he deserves all of our glory, all of our worship, all of our honor. Because of who we are now. I was a sinner before, but now we were out there in the world of sin. But now we are sons of God. And it doesn't even yet appear what we shall be. Hallelujah. So you see, we should have the frame of mind where I have to do things to please God. He has given me so much. I was a nothing on my way to hell. Now I'm in the sonship. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. Holly, which means he's given us so much now and we have so much more coming. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got to be pleasing to him. He's done so much for me. He's done so much for me. He's done so much for me. And no matter how much I give God, I still can't outdo him when it comes to giving. No matter how much I do for him, I still can't outdo God. Hallelujah. He's that kind of God. He's that kind of God. And we have all these benefits, saints of God, if we stay in a place where we're pleasing to him. And when our ways please him. Let's go back to Proverbs. The benefits of pleasing. One of the benefits, it says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Maybe why uh, you can't get along with nobody and things have, have gotten bad is because you're out of that place. Got to get back to that place where I'm, I'm pleasing to God. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That's another benefit of pleasing him. Psalm 1611. That will show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures ever more these are just some benefits just a few benefits that come to us when we're pleasing in the sight of God fear not my little flock it has pleased our father it is his good pleasure to give us the kingdom one of the most exciting descriptions of this kingdom it is a utopia a perfect society uh, was recorded by David, uh, who was called a man after God's own heart. And he wrote, he wrote those words in that, in that piece of music, the 16th Psalm. I'm going to quote it again. He said, you will show me the path of life. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy, and at his right hand there are pleasures 
forevermore. I'm getting ready to close. I've held you long enough. Uh, and I can go on and on and on about pleasing God. We spend so much time deliberating and talking about what pleases us and what makes us happy. Uh, I think we ought to spend more time talking about how we can be more pleasing in the sight of God. After all, he's done so much for us and we owe him so much. And uh, as we explained early in the lesson, being pleasing to him is benefiting us. Hallelujah. Is benefiting me to be pleasing to him is benefiting me. I'm growing, I'm maturing, and I'm becoming more and more like he is. In my closing, I want to take you to Colossians chapter 1, getting ready to close. And, and we may often look at our relationship uh, with God and we wonder, yeah, we wonder if, if we're okay with him. I don't know if you do it, but there are times when I'm laying on my face, Lord, am I pleasing in your sight? Are we okay uh, am, am I pleasing to you? And, and foundationally, uh, we know that our sins have been forgiven because of, of the works of Christ that are in our life, because he has saved us. And we know uh, that when we sin, when we make mistakes, we can go to him now. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Uh, so we know these things. And, and we know that if we live right, and walk up right before him that when the rapture comes, you know, you've heard it and we believe it. We receive it that when the resurrection occurs and when the rapture occurs, uh, we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Hallelujah. But all of that confidence, all of the things that I just mentioned uh, should not stop us from feeling the anxiety of, of not being where we should be with God. So I don't want you to get the big head as we walk this walk. I want you to be able to stop from time to time and say, Lord, are we okay? Am I where I'm supposed to be? Am I pleasing in your sight? That, ought to, that, that feeling ought to come over you sometime. Don't, don't be so Holy Ghost sanctified and don't be so quick to run down the street until you say, Lord, I, I want to make sure I'm running down the right street. I want to make sure that I'm fulfilling your purpose and doing your will and that I'm pleasing in your sight. Hallelujah. So um, let's read Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 12. Listen to these words that Paul writes. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So there are two big challenges in my closing, two big challenges. Number one, uh, the priority we put on pleasing God. Is it, a, is it a priority? Because Paul, in these verses, Paul is saying, I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding. 
I'm praying, and this is my prayer for you all who I've connected tonight, that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and understanding that you might have a life that's pleasing to God, that we're not so caught up in pleasing people, but as, as a people, as individuals, that God will help you understand, give you the wisdom to, and the understanding to have a life that is pleasing to him. Uh, because that's really at the heart of the question, are we okay? Am I okay with God? Am I where I should be? So Paul says, I want you to have some understanding and I want you to have some wisdom and knowing God's will, that you'll have that life that is pleasing uh, to God. And it brings about two challenges as we close. The priority we put on pleasing God. The priority we put on pleasing God. Because when it comes to our spiritual lives, uh, the dominant mindset uh, we may unconsciously carry is wondering how God can make our lives better. And let's, let's be honest, a lot of times when we go to God, it's so how he can make our lives better. Lord, how, how can you help me? What can you do for me? But when you get into the word of God, you'll see that the priority of a believer should be, uh, how can I please God? Let me say it again, because our mindset in the church, a lot of times as we come, as we go to God, how can God please me? How can God help me? But when you get into the word of God, you'll see that the proper mindset for a believer, for a child of God, should be what I should be doing for God. How can I please God? What shall I render for all of his benefits that he has bestowed upon me? Mm-hmm. I, I think this this popular gospel, this get rich gospel, this, this uh, prosperity message has gotten into our crawl where we always come to God, Lord, I need this, Lord, give me that. But the word of God teaches us to go to God and say, Lord, what can I do for you? What do you require of me? Because if, if I'm pleasing in God's sight, uh, the blessings of the Lord will be showered down upon me. Hallelujah. So, I have in my notes, uh, Paul is encouraging us to seek to get our eyes off of ourselves and to start asking what would bring God pleasure. I'm going to read some scriptures, Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, Second Timothy chapter 2. Verses 3 and 4, Paul writes to Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself again with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who have chosen him to be a soldier. Our priorities have to be set. Ecclesiastes 2 and 26. For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he giveth travail, to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. This also is vanity and vexation of spirit. Wish I had more time to dig down into that Ecclesiastes scripture. 
Isaiah 58, 13 and 14. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord honorable and thou shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. So the more and more you go into the word of God, the more and more you'll realize that we have to put pleasing God first. Hallelujah. Jesus said it like this, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So the first challenge is our priorities. How do we prioritize pleasing God? The second thing is, and I'm closing, our understanding of what God pleasing is actually like. And I should say it better than that, our understanding of what living a God-pleasing life is like. So the first challenge in closing is prioritizing pleasing God. Instead of putting my fir myself first all the time, me, 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 Lord, what do you desire from me? The second thing is I need an understanding of what living a God-pleasing life is really like. What is it actually? Uh, because if we're not careful, and I'm closing. Most of us will define what pleases God. I have in my notes. Most of us will define what pleases God according to our opinion. That's what got uh, Cain in trouble. What pleases God. I'm going to give him what I think. I'm going to give him what I think. I'm going to give him what, you know, this is what I feel. This is what I think. It's easy to think, listen, as long as I'm not doing anything really bad, my life pleases God. And the problem with that thinking is uh, it's not up to you. And I said it earlier, it's not up to us to decide what's pleasing to God. It's not up to me to decide what's pleasing to someone else. We can't tell God what pleases him. You can't tell God. We cannot tell God what pleases him. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong. We have to ask him, Lord, what do you want? What is your will? What is pleasing to you? How would you have me present this to you? Through prayer, this is how we find out, through prayer and through staying in God's holy word. First, I'm sorry, in Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to take you down to verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing Listen to what Paul writes, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So Paul is spelling it out for us, what pleases God. He says there are four marks. And he marks them. One, bearing fruit in every good work. Mm -hmm. The emphasis here isn't on the bad things you're not doing, but rather on the good things that you are doing. Uh, like taking care of the poor, uh, doing your job with integrity, feeding those who are hungry, witnessing, 
right? And you're doing it with integrity and, and excellence. You're sharing your faith or you're using your gifts to build up the church family. So bearing fruit in every good work, it's all there. Colossians 1, 10 through 12, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with God's power for perseverance. So Paul there is talking about specifically about the perseverance that is required for a good work that he mentioned earlier. If, if you are following Jesus, it, it will at times be difficult. If you're trying to live right, it will, it will at times be difficult. But Paul is saying uh, as long as you have a determination to do the right thing, you can persevere. Hallelujah. Following Jesus is difficult at times, and you ex but you will experience the power of God who will help and push you through. Hallelujah. I felt the power of God there. And the last thing that, that you'll get out of that that I just read is you'll be giving joyful thanks in all situations, in all circumstances, and you'll do that because of the hope that you have, because of the hope every time you're tempted Hallelujah, to let the circumstance overtake you, overwhelm you. And sometimes it gets hard. Paul, in these scriptures that I read in Colossians, uh, we are called to come back to the hope that you have. I'm helping you. I'm getting ready to close. Whenever it gets difficult and you're, you're trying because staying in that place of pleasing God, it gets difficult. You're, you're striving, you're pushing, you're struggling. And Paul is helping us always come back to your hope. Hallelujah, I'm doing this. Because God has so much more for me. There's a hope that is set before us. There is a hope that is set before us. Giving thanks unto the Father which have made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. Hallelujah. Part of my inheritance. Oh God, there's no weapon formed against me that shall prosper. Hallelujah. In every mouth that opens itself against me, thou shalt condemn this is the inheritance of the saints hallelujah we have strength hallelujah this is why in the midst of weakness we can say i'm strong we have an anointing we have an inheritance he's not just talking about dying and going to heaven but there's a whole lot of things that come out of that place where we're standing with god we are blessed we are strengthened we are anointed hallelujah and we're giving thanks no matter what the circumstance is. We're giving thanks unto our Father, which have made us meet to be partakers. He has made us acceptable. He has put us in the place where we are partaking of the strength and the power and the anointing and all of those things that come along with being a part of Christ. Hallelujah. And we have this inheritance of the saints in light who have delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers or things, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. I can go on and on and on with the word of God. 
I want us to be in a place where we are pleasing in the sight of God. I wish I could teach it the way I feel it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I want us to be in a place where we're pleasing in the sight of God. Because the Lord is coming soon. And he's coming back for his people. People that are pleasing in his sight. That are doing his will. Hallelujah. That are living for him. Ask yourself, am I okay with God? It's time to do some soul searching. What if Jesus came before the end of this lesson? Lord, are we okay? Am I right with God? Remember that song we used to sing, get right with God and do it now. Get right with God. He will show you how down at the cross where he shed his blood. Get right with God. Get right Get right with God. We want to be in a place where we're pleasing to our Savior. Pleasing to our God. Pleasing in the sight of God. Lord, if you see anything in me that should not be, take it away. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Help me, Lord, to seek your face, to seek your ways. To live a life that is pleasing in your sight. We're getting ready to pray. Lord, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I pray that those who have connected with us on tonight will do soul searching and self-examination who are not afraid to ask that question, Lord, are we okay? Is it right between me and thee? Hallelujah. Am I where I should be? Am I pleasing in your sight? Are you pleased with my life? Father, in the name of Jesus, help us all to get to that place you would have us to be. That we'll be ready when you come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're listening, if you're watching and you have not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that now. If you're sitting in RTA, Refuge Temple Annex, among the people of God, you want to be baptized into that wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, they will baptize you in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. You want to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, someone there will tarry with you. You will be endowed with power from on high. You will be filled with the presence of God. You are watching me. You want to give your life to the Lord, you want to be baptized. You feel that you're far away. Hallelujah. Because of social media we can still connect with you send us a request admin at grtdc.org and someone from the staff will reach out to you and tell you what you have to do uh, and we'll get you baptized in jesus name someone will work with you until the lord fills you with the precious gift of the holy ghost you want to plant a seed tonight want to pay your tithe and offerings technician will put that on the screen and give you instructions we have changed our uh, number uh, so take note of that there are new instructions there you can even download the app uh, go to um, uh, my church app uh, my church one app I believe it's called uh, it'll, you'll see a purple cross download that software on your smartphone and look for Greater Refuge Temple of Washington DC uh, and write in your cell phone then after you download the app uh, you'll be able to give your offering, whether it's tithing, offering, building fund, and you'll also be tied in to our Bible classes 
and sermons of mine uh, for your listening pleasure. Uh, it'll be all right in the palm of your hand. You can go and look up the uh, Bible studies that have been saved and the sermons that have been saved. It will bless your soul. If you're at the annex, you may use Givelify or, or they can pass the basket there as well and you can give tonight or you can go uh, and use Givelify. Look for Refuge Temple Annex and you may give there. Getting ready to go. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your time. The Lord loves you and I love you so much as well. We look so forward to meeting you week by week. And until we meet again, until next week, there are three things that I want you to do. I want you to be careful, be prayerful, and yes, be holy. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>